Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. And we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com. I, I tell you, this this surfaced in the news uh, yesterday, the sports news in particular. And uh, Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman isn't exactly uh, rolling out the red carpet for the Oakland A's. You know, it's been uh, talked about that the, the Oakland A's are going to be leaving the Bay Area and heading for Vegas in the not-too-distant future, maybe a year or two uh, down the road. Uh, they will not have a stadium uh, built in Vegas for quite some time until, I believe, 2028 was the target date. But, uh, you know, it has been uh, you know widely reported that the Oakland A's are moving out and heading to, uh, I, I guess, greener pastures in uh, Las Vegas. But the mayor of Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, uh, is not extending a warm embrace to the Oakland A's, who are planning to build a $1.5 billion, with a B, stadium in her city. In fact, uh, Goodman said the team's stadium plan, and I quote here, does not make sense. And how many times have I said over the years, it doesn't have to make sense. But uh, she says that A's owners, how about this? says that A's ownership could should go back to the drawing board and pitch a new plan in the Bay Area. And I'm quoting uh, Mayor Goodman here saying, I personally think the A's have uh, got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dreams come true. How about that? A little surprising. The mayor took to uh, social media Tuesday to add uh, context to her comments, uh, comments and said she was excited about the prospect of Major League Baseball in her city. But she did not back off her statement uh, that the uh, Oakland A's should try to make their relationship work in Oakland. She added, uh, should that fail, Vegas has shown that it is a spectacular market for Major League Sports franchises. And they have uh, two Major League Sports franchises there uh, right now in the Vegas Golden Knights and the the Vegas Raiders of the NFL. Probably very soon we'll have an NBA franchise too, and that's been widely rumored. Now, the A's ballpark is planned for a nine-acre parcel on the Vegas Strip, and Goodman said the congestion makes that site less attractive than a larger site in North Las Vegas, which she proposed. However, the mayor of the city uh, and uh, the mayor and the city do not have jurisdiction. Now, get this. The mayor of the city of Vegas and uh, the city do not have jurisdiction over the Vegas Strip, which falls under the oversight of Clark County. So pretty much if the A's want to build the, the ballpark they're talking about, the billion-and-a-half-dollar ballpark for the Vegas Strip, they can do it without the expressed written consent of the city 
of Vegas. They have to clear it with Clark County, but not the city of Vegas. So uh, at any rate, uh, Goodman said there are a lot of questions about whether that's going to fit. Because, you know, I mean, you, you have to think there's, there's a lot of congestion on the Strip as it is. Uh, 81 dates a year for a ballpark as part of that Strip with, you know, uh, thirty to 40,000 people for 81 dates a year could cause some congestion. She has a parcel of land in the north part of Las Vegas, a much larger parcel of land than the one they're talking about currently. And... Uh, that could uh, work better, in her opinion, than the location that the A's have uh, at least tentatively selected for the Vegas Strip. But it's not like she's saying, you know, we don't want you. But she says that we don't really want you where you have proposed building your billion and a half dollar ballpark. So I thought that was uh, that was fairly uh, interesting yesterday, something that sort of came out of left field. I don't think anybody was expecting that. By the way, the uh, the Oakland A's AAA ball club uh, plays in Vegas, and they have, I believe, what is a 12,000-seat stadium. And there has been talk that uh, the interim home for the, the athletics could be that minor league ballpark in Vegas. Or perhaps they would just go to another city until the uh, the stadium is built in Vegas. But ultimately, you know, one way or the other, the Oakland A's are not going to be staying in Oakland. The you know, They have tried many times to uh, have the uh, city council and mayor in Oakland approve a stadium bill uh, to replace the dilapidated, which once was the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. I'm not sure what they call it now. Uh, it's gone through a number of different uh, names in the past, but it's the big ballpark that used to be the home of the Oakland Raiders, is still the home of the Oakland A's, but not for long. You ask uh, any ball player that's ever played in that uh, in that stadium, whether they be a member of the A's or visiting teams coming in, and uh, I, I have never been to the facility, so I can't speak from personal experience, but uh, ball players always complain about uh, going into the clubhouses uh, at that stadium uh, because of uh, leaky pipes and, uh, you know, old facilities, small locker room space, uh, all kinds of complaints from, from the players. And there, there needs to be, if they do stay there, either a new stadium or lots of renovations uh, to the old one. And, and you know, attendance has, has not been good in recent years. That's really the major uh, driving force behind the A's wanting to go to Vegas. Because just think about it. Vegas is still uh, one of the most popular destinations in this country. For better or worse, Vegas is always right up there. Which, you know, now it kind of... It, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the hotels are spectacular out there. There's there's great entertainment. But there are so many other gaming facilities. Uh, if you want to just flat-out gamble, you can do that in just about any state in the country now. You can do it at any one of our 14 casinos in New Hampshire. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm charitable gaming casinos. 
uh, in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, it, it's it's up in the air now. Will the Oakland A's still move to Vegas? I say, yes, they still will. Uh, there will still be uh, Major League Baseball at some point in Vegas. So they, at, at some point, probably, uh, I would estimate by 2030, by the year 2030, you will see uh, an NBA franchise and a Major League Baseball franchise in Vegas, in addition to the NFL and the NHL franchises that they uh, already have. So uh, this is just a little stumbling block uh, along the way. Uh, By the way, I I went to my first Bruins game of the year uh, last night at the, uh, the TD Garden. Kitty Ray and I went... And man, uh, I couldn't believe what I saw from that team last night. I, I don't think anybody at the TD Garden could believe what they saw from that team last night, which wasn't much. Team went in there tied for the best record in the NHL with the Vancouver Canucks. But they sure could have fooled anybody at the game last night. I mean, you're fundamentally speaking... Uh, you know, the, the Concord High Crimson Tide has it all over the Boston Bruins. If you uh, just took last night's game, I mean, it was just a... They hadn't played in a while. I mean, uh, they hadn't played since a week ago Saturday. It's like 10 days. And I know they've practiced. I know they've practiced. You wouldn't know that either. Uh, but uh, just uh, they, they were just off last night like uh, I haven't seen in, in quite some time. And they lost to the Calgary Flames, four to one. Now tomorrow night, Calgary's not a bad team. They're you know about a 500 team. But uh, tomorrow night they take on now the best team in the NHL, in the Vancouver Canucks. They will be invading TD Garden tomorrow night. Uh, Bruins have to pick up their game considerably to even be in that matchup against uh, Vancouver tomorrow night. At any rate, we're going to have something really different on the radio quite soon on the program today. Uh, Something that is very rarely discussed on radio shows. No matter where you are, whether you're in Concord, New Hampshire, New York City, Oakland, Vegas, this topic that we're going to talk about is not discussed very often. But we will hear right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and uh, we shall be right back. It is Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, before the break, I I teased that we were going to be uh, talking about a topic that isn't discussed very often on the radio, no matter where you are. But we like to do unique things here at WKXL. So continuing in that tradition, uh, we have uh, brought uh, Rick Broussard, a a very familiar face, a very familiar name to uh, most of our listening audience. And uh, uh, Rick is the uh, former editor of uh, NH Magazine. That's right. Yes. And uh, so what are you up to now, Rick? 
Uh, I'm I'm getting my bearings on on this joblessness thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, you know I used, I used to hang around with a lot of old guys, and they and I say, what do you do? And they say, I'm retired. And I say, well, that kind of ends that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm on the other end of that. I'm sure you're finding things to do. I am finding plenty yeah. to do, like this. I mean, this is like a believe it or not, this taboo subject that we're about to broach <laughs> is something that has been part of my life since I was a child, and um, and I always thought I would get back to it someday, and it looks like. I, I may not personally, so I'm, I'm trying to encourage the next generation, the kids, like this gentleman with me here who looks like he could be just out of high school. And, and that gentleman is uh, Jonathan Cross. Jonathan, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having us, Ken. A.K.A. Johnny Clockworks. And uh, he is uh, one of the top puppeteers probably in the world, right? Well, at least, let's just start with Concord. Well, all right, we'll start with Concord, but I mean, he's internationally renowned, and uh, tell us, uh, you know, you're a New Hampshire native, right, John? I am. Yep. I am 11th generation, believe it or not. 11th generation. Well, where did you grow up in New Hampshire? I grew up in Merrimack. In Merrimack, yes. all right, fine community. And, it was uh, a town of just over 9,000 at, at the time, at so that, that time. shows how yeah. long ago it was. Yeah, it has certainly grown from there. Uh, when did your interest in puppeteering first uh, come about? My first puppetry I did when I was a kid. In Master Cola Junior High, I built uh-huh. my first puppet shows there. And uh, with the help of my father, who was an engineer, and uh, helped me build the theater and such. So as a kid, I was interested. And then I put it aside for many years. But, but you, you built your own theater. That is correct. To do puppet shows for... Uh, kids in in Merrimack and uh, and oh, a, a small scale theater. Yeah, for, yeah. And it actually, at the um, the theater itself ended up in the library at the Master Cola. Oh, really? Junior High. Okay. To donated, and uh, when we were completed our our shows. But then you said, uh, you know, after that, you, you put it aside for a while. That's well, right. I went into theater. Yeah. Went to Emerson College in Boston mm-hmm. and uh, studied theater and Shakespeare and directing, and um, then I started bringing puppets back into my uh, my theater work. And and you've been at it now for quite some time. Yeah. Despite your youthful looks. <laughs> the, the radio audience might not, <laughs> might not see how old I really am. <laughs> but now you have brought it uh, full circle. I mean, you grew up in Merrimack, and now you've brought it full circle to, uh, to Concord. That's right. I came back to New Hampshire uh, when my second theater closed in New York. I had two theaters there in the one in the 90s in the East Village of Manhattan and one in the 2000s in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, the company that did my original work performed that whole time. Um, and I thought about what I would have been able to do if I'd had sort of a support st- um, system here in the state when I was growing up uh, for the arts. I was... Uh, we were of a certain uh, income level, and the arts were kind of inaccessible. I had a lot of envy for arts programs around. And so I thought I would come back and spend the last third of my life, if I'm lucky to have the time, to uh, establish a puppet, not only a puppet company here in the state, but also a puppetry school. And with the help of Concord Community Music School, we are in residence there as the B. Skep Puppet Theater. B-skep is a beehive, a vintage uh, beehive woven. Uh-huh. And um, 
we began our classes this past fall at the Concord Community Music School. Our first class just just matriculated last week with their first performance. That's our word of the day, folks. Matriculated, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there are more to come, which is the good news. That's right. And we'll, we'll talk about those. Rick, how did you come across uh, Jonathan? Uh, I there was um, I, as I told you I've always had a kind of a, a fondness for this for this particular uh, art form which by the way is the only art form that has to explain and apologize for itself right at the outset you know you have to it's a little bit like mind you know you, you have to you have to win people over to it but um, but then once people begin to experience it they realize just how how rich it is and so I, I've been looking for somebody who does this sort of thing ever since we moved to new hampshire it, it, interestingly we discovered that there was a wonderful puppet theater it was a, a puppet opera in peterborough when we first moved up here and my father and i who had done puppetry together really wanted to go and then it it burned down and uh, this was like 30 years ago yeah and uh, so there is some history for that here. yeah so i had been looking around and then this wonderful venue that has also recently closed down there seems to be sort of a theme to arts Places closing down recently, but uh, this is the Hatbox Theater out at the yeah, Stablegate yeah. Mall that a lot of which was a wonderful, oh, man, uh, yes. wonderful venue. I, it truly was. Very sad to see that go. Well, they featured a night of uh, it was like a puppet slam. Mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh, puppetry slam." That's 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 exactly the, the way to kind of reintroduce this to the <laughs> people who have been slamming puppets for years. Yes, right. Get back now. They can slam back. Um, so anyway, went to see that, and that's where I met Jonathan, and that thereby hangs a tale. But in all seriousness, I mean, there has very rarely been a show as popular on television as, as the Muppets Absolutely. were uh, in in their prime. I was very fortunate to be friends with the Henson family. Wow. My company received yeah. several Henson Foundation grants. And Jane Henson, the late Jane Henson, who was Jim's partner and co-founder mm -hmm. of the Muppets, uh, I was very fortunate to call her a friend and a dear, wonderful woman. So that... And of course, they meant the light, the world to me too. Most people, yeah, <laughs> of a certain age, yeah, sure, uh, absolutely, very popular show, and still, uh, I'm sure you know the, the Muppet characters are still uh, very much uh, alive out there, and uh, and it, uh, you know, it, it was just one of the most iconic shows in its in its uh, time period. I mean, in its, uh, you know, when it was on TV, it was very very popular. Okay. And I'm sure people are still watching it on YouTube and other outlets as well. Yes, the Disney Plus, you know, Disney owns them now, so they get yeah. lots of watches there. It's one of their higher-viewed oh, sure. programs, even amongst young people. So. Yeah, and, and even the, the Broadway show Avenue Q. I, I think about that one. It's a right. little bit more From of From Avenue Q to uh, The Lion King. Yeah, exactly. So actually, yeah. we're in a culture that both does nev never thinks that puppets are around, thinks that puppets are obscure and out of date but they're everywhere yeah they're on, on commercials and we don't even realize the amount of puppetry we take in all the star wars creatures all the ones that aren't cgi right are all puppets to a certain extent right yeah, yeah. So. exactly so it's it's all around us right we just don't give it that much thought that's right i have many friends who've made a successful careers in television and and, and film with puppetry so it there's it's actual as opposed to the actors I know out there scraping. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your uh, love of puppetry started, as you mentioned, at, at a very young age. And uh, can you gauge at this point? I mean, I know you've uh, you know held classes uh, in, in Concord, as you mentioned uh, in the past. What is the, uh, the enthusiasm toward 
uh, puppetry these days. I mean, with so many video games that all the kids are so enthralled with these days. And uh, where does puppetry come into, into play? Well, you know, in a world where that is getting increasingly digitalized yeah. and yeah. computerized and mechanized and uh, puppetry is a hands-on <laughs> pardon the pun, but endeavor, um, where you're learning to craft things in an yeah. old-fashioned way, in a very basic way, where you're actually having a physical object, uh, analog object to move around. I tend to use music that is live and not recorded. I think the live experience is everything that you cannot have with the computer experience. We our Theater is trying to replicate the digital or film experience to its detriment, Theater can do things. We did a performance last week, their graduating class, and it was a shadow puppetry performance. Mm -hmm. But the simplicity of silhouettes cut out right. and a single source flashlight beam, very theatrical, filled yeah. the whole hall. Everyone responded so well. There's a certain primitive magic in all of that. No no doubt about that. And we'll, we'll talk more about it. When we continue on this Wednesday morning with uh, puppeteer Jonathan Cross, a.k.a. Johnny Clockworks, and we'll see how that name came about, and uh, Rick Broussard with us as well. Always great to see Rick, a longtime patron of the arts and uh, many things here in the uh, state of New Hampshire. We will continue after these words. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. In studio with us today, Rick Broussard, a longtime editor of uh, NH Magazine. And uh, Rick has been on uh, my shows over the years talking about uh, many things. And uh, today our, our topic is uh, puppetry, and we're very pleased to have Jonathan Edward Cross uh, in studio with us. Uh, A.K.A. Go ahead, you say it. Johnny Clockworks. Johnny Clockworks. <laughs> and and how did that name come about? When we founded our first theater uh, in New York City, my company, the Cosmic Bicycle Theater, was founded in my college in, in Boston in 1989. And when I was in New York City in 95, we got our own home, and it was a very tiny theater, 33 seats and uh, in cramped little wing space, uh, perfect for puppetry. Yeah. Uh, we called it the Clockworks Puppetry Theater. And when it came to getting the phone listing, uh, I got, instead of paying for a commercial line, they just gave me the moniker Johnny Clockworks so we could get the <laughs> phone line under the name of the company. So, so there you go, Johnny Clockworks, and uh, it, it, uh, the 2024 spring puppetry classes are about to begin at the uh, Concord Community Music School, which is uh, conveniently located at 23 Wall Street in uh, in Concord. So, uh, uh, Johnny Clockworks, tell us a little bit about the uh, the classes you have coming up uh, just around the corner. Well, we've got classes not only for uh, continuing our kids' program, but we've got adult classes as well, uh -huh. which 
I'm really hoping some people come out and sign up so have, we can continue Have you tried that program. before? Oh, in New York, it's yeah. very popular. Yeah. Again, that was the origins of the puppetry slam and mm-hmm. toy theater uh, festivals. It's uh, because it's a hands-on uh, ability for people to create the works in their own home and that scale mm-hmm. that these festivals would crop up of people being able to do an evening of these works. All right. So... Um, given the fact that that's what I spent my career was being an adult puppeteer for the most part. Uh-huh. Some kids work f- from time to time, obviously, but um, major- most of my work was in serious, quote-unquote, serious theater. <clears throat> um, as a puppeteer. As a puppeteer. As a puppeteer. As a puppeteer. Yeah. You know, we have puppeteers at the Metropolitan Opera House that do operas there. We've got puppeteers doing shows on Broadway. Water for Elephants is opening up this next month and has large puppets in it. Um, so there's full careers for puppetry, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to offer the program here in New Hampshire. We don't have a real program for that here, even though there are other parts of the country. And so I wanted to, to see if we could provide right. that. Sure. So we're hoping people will sign up. We've got adult classes in paper theater, which is a miniature theater form that goes back to the Victorian era. Um, when, and then the fall, and later in the spring, we'll have hand puppetry, uh, how to create and manufacture your own hand puppets from mache and sewing and, and materials. And with the kids, we're doing paper puppet masters again in the hand puppetry class and shadow puppetry. And those are Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesday classes. And we're hoping people will come out and sign up so we can continue this program uh, here in Concord. Yeah, absolutely. And Rick, you mentioned earlier that uh, you're, you're no stranger to, uh, to the world of puppetry. No, my, my dad built stages when we were just kids, and we would travel around, and uh, and d- he worked mostly in marionettes. But um, we started doing uh, – w- when I got into junior college, mm-hmm. uh, we would do shows at their arts festival every year, and we went to Rod Puppets, and we had – we had a rod puppet of Raquel Welch. We had one of Tiny Tim. <laughs> we had one of Arthur Brown, who actually had a flame on top yeah. of his head. I don't oh, know if you remember? <laughs> yeah, the, Brown. the crazy world of uh, Arthur Brown. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. we, so my my dad had the genius idea that we would sort of mine the popular culture, you know, for things that, because once again we were trying to elevate it so people would come and this isn't just something for kids. This right. is something yeah. anybody can enjoy. You can you can you can mock or embrace any facet of culture with puppetry from opera down to you know the sesame street yeah and, and i mean sesame street uh, the muppets i mean they were I, I think as popular if not more popular with uh, adults especially the muppets uh, than even with kids absolutely in, over the years you yep. know and uh, of course uh, sesame street has utilized puppets for you know, long, long time, as well. So, uh, so Rick, you uh, have you have you tried any uh, puppetry lately? Not late. Well, I, we have grandkids. Yeah. So, yeah. and and my my wife is not a puppeteer, but she is a master manipulator of yep. little plush animals. <laughs> oh, okay. And she will she can fascinate the grandkids for hours by just turning their heads and and nodding them and moving their little arms. Yeah, this is something I think every parent knows about, and they understand that. Little gl- they get a glimpse of the magic of this. You yeah, know, you can transfer yourself into another object and then delight somebody else. Perhaps a simple mind like a child, or or maybe if you have Raquel Welch and Tiny Tim, you can you know st- stimulate not, not, older minds. Uh, they they would make a lovely couple, Raquel Welch <laughs> and Tiny Tim. Uh, <laughs> so did any, what what sparked your interest, Jonathan? Was it watching puppets on TV? Was it going to puppet shows? What sparked your initial interest in the in the world of puppetry 
Uh, and early on, it was obviously the Muppets and yeah. other seeing. I saw Punch and Judy show at the Bedford Mall okay. when I was five yeah. years old, yeah. and that uh, was shocking and interesting. <laughs> and, um, and I think uh, as I got older, the magic of it was that in theater, uh, we are we tend towards realism, <clears throat> maybe because of lack of special effects. But with puppetry, there's a uh, simplicity to, uh, to its effects, mm-hmm. where we as an audience contribute to the imagination. We accept that this wooden face is a, a character, not just a puppet, and we project our emotions on it, or we allow it to ma- let us feel that it is we th- a good puppeteer will let you think that that piece of wood is is feeling emotion, is yeah. going through this journey sure. and. Even when puppeteers are with them on stage, if it's done right, the audience will look at the puppet, not the person behind it. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt about that. And it, it must uh, uh, do your heart good when you when you see uh, youngsters and adults alike react in a, in a positive way uh, to a, a puppet show that, that you have uh, been a part of. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's to, to delight an audience or enchant an audience or move an audience, uh, that's what any theater person would like to do. Exactly. <laughs> we, we actually have a theater person in, in the other room. I'm going to ask our, our producer, uh, Andrew Gibson. Andrew, have you ever been uh, involved in a show where, where puppets have been a part of it? Um, I, I have uh, to some degree. Um, and actually, a friend of mine just won uh, Best Actor for New Hampshire for a show involving puppets. Wow. Well, which yeah. one was that? Uh, the show was called Hand to God. Oh. A uh, very, awesome. very adult show. Um, but uh, a, friend of, a dear friend of mine helped create the puppets and actually starred as the lead in it. Wow. Uh, vo- for, uh, playing both an adult, uh, a human character and the puppet um, that you know he was paired with. Wow. At that, the hat box. At the hat box, yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, Mark Kelly, wonderfully talented actor. Oh, I, I'm, I am hoping that uh, that they find a new home because they did some wonderful things yeah. at, at the Hatbox in the you know relatively short time they were there at the Steeplegate Mall. Now they've unfortunately been uh, forced nine years. To, yeah, nine years. yeah, nine. It, it, it you know, nine years. time flies when you're having fun. I guess because <laughs> it doesn't seem like nine years, but uh, now uh, Andrew and everyone else involved will have to. Uh, Find another spot, and I hope they do. I'm sure he's quite the quite the entrepreneur, and I'm, I have all the faith in the world that he'll have a new venue. I, I think he is performing his magic tonight in downtown Concord at a at a cobbler shop in in downtown Concord. They're calling it the shoebox. The shoebox. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the shoebox <laughs> annex of the Hatbox Theater. That's that's good. So that I think that's tonight. Uh, by the way, so you might want to uh, check that out and get more information on that. But uh, your your puppetry classes will start uh, next week, and uh, they are, uh, you know, uh, they have sessions for six through nine year olds and nine to fifteen year olds as well. Uh, what about the the, the real young uh, children, the the six, seven, eight year olds? How how do they gravitate and and uh, enjoy puppetry? Well, they learn a lot of the simple craft that you, we all begin with, with pe- paper cutting skills and mm-hmm. folding and measuring and following instructions. So there's the creation of these paper puppets and gives them the element of something to play with and imagine with afterwards for the youngest kids. Yeah. 
one of the things we'd love to encourage people to do is to go online and on Facebook we have a website for B Skep Puppet Theater. That's B E E S K E P Puppet Theater, and there's information about the classes there, and we hope you'll sign up and and like us there, please. <laughs> and, and when do the adult classes begin? The classes as well begin February 12th, and uh, we need people to sign up. So if you're curious or interested, go look for us online and um, like us and follow us and sign up for a class. Outstanding. Well, stay with us, and uh, we'll be back and talk uh, more puppets and puppetry right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, with our guests Rick Broussard and uh, Jonathan Cross, a.k.a. Johnny Clockworks, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and uh, we will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And uh, we're talking about a subject that uh, is not talked about very much uh, on the radio or uh, anywhere for that matter these days. But uh, perhaps it should be discussed more, and that is puppetry. And we have one of the uh, the great puppeteers uh, in the country with us, Jonathan Cross, a.k.a. Johnny Clockworks, and... Uh, one of the uh, uh, formerly uh, great puppeteers in our, our universe, Rick Broussard, is here, the uh, former editor of NH Magazine, and uh, we've been talking about the classes coming up at the Concord Community Music School, which I, I guess Jonathan has uh, embraced uh, You know what you do, and that, that is a, a terrific thing. They offer so much at, at the Concord Community School, yeah, music school, yeah. Yeah, they've been wonderful. Daniel Escotti has really welcomed the program there, and Kristen Selznick. Um, they've been very uh, enthusiastic about the program, and uh, I couldn't be happier with the way they've made room for the program there and invited us in. Now, we want to stress that these classes are starting soon. And uh, if you uh, are, have an interest in them or if you have uh, children or, or grandchildren uh, that have uh, an interest in these programs, uh, the time to uh, take action and sign up uh, is now. And how often do these uh, classes uh, take place, Jonathan? The children's classes take place Tuesdays and Wednesdays. The mm -hmm. Tuesday is a younger class a, um, for six to nine, and that is our paper puppet masters, and that is the basic skills of paper puppet crafting with cardboard and colorful paper and scissors and glue and making original puppets and toys different week to week and really keeps them engaged. Well, and then there's a hand puppetry class for nine to 15 um, on Wednesdays, mm -hmm. and that's a six-week course. Um, on, and that is for older kids, 9 to 15, as I said. And then we have an adult class, Paper Theater, Creating Theater in Miniature. And it is a modern take on Victorian toy theater, which was very popular um, way that people could create and perform theater in their parlor rooms in the Victorian era. And that is, again, a six-week course for adults and uh, people who are visual artists and or musicians and performers it's a wonderful medium and i'm hoping we get some great creative people to sign up for that as well you see in in uh, you know uh, various encyclopedias and on online how you know puppetry goes back 
centuries. Uh, the earliest it, it, yeah. forms of entertainment. I mean, yeah. the shadows against the walls in the cave uh, was early performance. With uh, and so that's puppetry is is every culture, ancient culture, and many more cultures recognize it as part of their historic. Um, in heritage in the states it's harder because really puppetry except for the outside of native american communities was introduced by europeans and was for children the punch and judy shows and the traveling yeah. itinerant performers right yeah and uh you know it, it's obviously still alive i mean people love jeff dunham right <laughs> absolutely he's a puppeteer as well i mean he packs the place virtually every everywhere he goes so that is a another form of puppetry yep people think it's not with us but it's everywhere so. yeah yeah it really like and truly star is. wars is the biggest puppet show budget i've you know ever seen <laughs> yeah no absolutely so so it is you're right it, it is everywhere and it, and, and people don't really think about it that it, they don't, it's puppetry, but it is. Grogu, it, the little baby Yoda that was so popular a few years ago, is a puppet. Yeah, so. it, it, exactly, exactly. Now I, I know there are stores that that sell puppets. Uh, is, is that is that do, do they sell very well these days? Is that well? I think you know puppets uh, they sell as children's toys, but yeah. the craft is now to learn to make your own. Yeah, okay. and. Um, that is from wood carving, yeah. paper mache, sculpture, design. There's so many elements. Engineering. It's uh, especially with marionettes. It's all engineering and string and weight and physics. Right. You know, yeah. there's so much to learn. Even if kids and adults don't become professional puppeteers, it's so much yeah. just you learn from just as a craft. You realize how many sciences go into it. I can imagine a youngster would get a lot more satisfaction from making a puppet and performing with their own puppet uh, than they would being glued to a, an iPad uh, all day. Mm. You know, just much more satisfaction. I, I would have to believe that. So, uh, again, uh, take the opportunity to uh, to think about this and enroll in, uh, in one of Jonathan's classes at the uh, Concord Community Music School, and, uh, and you will not be disappointed. You, you won't be disappointed uh, in the least, and it's just a terrific form of entertainment. And, and, and now you, we talked about making the puppets and, and that sort of thing, but when you, when you perform with puppets, uh, you, you probably use you know different voices, different characters that that you're you know portraying with the puppet, and then that sort of thing. So that's all, also a part of it as well. That, absolutely, that's part. It's a part of the fun of puppetry is uh, transforming. Normally, an actor transforms themselves, but you can put yourself into the puppet. Is is the fun of it with the characters and the voices? And I've worked with some wonderful voiceover artists in the past, and of course, creating your own voices for the characters is part of the the fun of all of it. Yeah, it really is. That has to be uh, a great part of the fun, because many times, obviously, when you're doing a puppet show, you are not seen, uh, the puppet is seen, so sometimes people who might be a little bit on the shy side, mm. you know, if they're not seen, will create these voices and create these characters. It's great to see that the puppets themselves take on a life of their own in that way, too. The audience only sees them and only yeah. thinks they're the star. They don't know that someone else is behind it. So. Yeah, and, and, and it might, you know, in, in some ways bring a child, if they're, you know, shy and retiring and that sort of thing, uh, if, if they're not seen, you know, uh, performing with the puppet and, and doing the voices, uh, you know, it might, you know, sort of get them out of their shell, if you will.
Absolutely. Well, you know, our therapists have used puppetry for a long time, so for the same similar reasons. Yeah, exactly. It's a good feed between a good mask for to work behind. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And then and then afterwards, you can come out and take a little bow, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) come out from behind the scenes, or yeah, however you do it these days. Yeah, you know, it scales to whatever whatever the audience or the performer is that's the beauty of it you know a shadow puppet can be your hand with a with a flashlight mm-hmm. um and i you know I, I, we did a th- interview with james whitmore long long ago uh when we were doing the new hampshire theater awards new hampshire magazine started that mm-hmm. and and he he just gushed about how theater which he was he performed in peterborough pretty regularly mm-hmm. at the peterborough players uh is the one place where human beings can come together and they can experience all the arts in a totally interactive and and collaborative way they're humans talking to humans without any other interface but the things in their hands and their voices and uh that you take that same idea down yeah. to puppetry and you realize that okay now two children can do this they can they can have the same the same uh, magical event take yeah. place in their lives with bits of paper or shadows or whatever that is really the beauty of puppetry and but this is one thing I want to say because we're we're here in at Concord's studio and and we've been talking and Jonathan and I got interested in this because we really think Concord's the right place for this and the question is well why Concord well you could say well it's the center of government which is of course perhaps the biggest puppet show <laughs> in, in, in the universe but but also because it, it, Concord is a is that was a, I'm glad you said puppet show yeah <laughs> Concord is is uh, aspires to be an arts center and a nexus for arts yeah. because to do, yeah. but how do we distinguish ourselves from all the other arts centers out there because frankly every city of any size wants to have that reputation to get people downtown to their shows and their mm-hmm. restaurants and the uniqueness of a local puppet theater there's not a lot of them um that it that has the kind of authority that jonathan brings to it he's a very seasoned he, best in the world well I, I don't know about that, but <laughs> let's start with best in Concord. Absolutely, probably the best in New Hampshire. Probably seasoned the best might be the best, is most seasoned, <laughs> a seasoned pro. Yes, puppeteer. he is. <laughs> he has survived all the all the slings, <laughs> arrows, and brickbats <laughs> of the career, and he is here with a lot of wisdom and also just a lot of joy in his performance. I, I the the fact is, when I saw him perform, I immediately said, "This is somebody that I want to hang out with." So, I think a lot of people will feel that, and then that's. That's how we put Concord on a path to kind of a unique relationship uh, to the rest of the communities in terms of arts. Well, where can we see you perform, Jonathan? Is that uh, something that uh, we would have the opportunity to do? This spring you'll be able to see me. Uh, late spring we'll have something involved at the Concord Community Music School, anyhow. We are looking for other venues and for uh, other resources to expand our performance. We'll be holding auditions uh, in the form of workshops to form our professional company so I can oh, go wow. back to touring and such uh, with our new theater, Bees Keep Puppet Theater. Yeah. And um, th- and so we're looking for, for new company members and we're hoping to expand. And you'll be able to see more of that. We'll be doing a children's piece in the April break um, called uh, Marionette Melodies, which we did at the Boys and Girls Clubs of Manchester last uh, December. And... Uh, There'll be more opportunities, hopefully. So go online if you get if you hit us up at Beast Keep Puppet Theater on Facebook and like us, you'll be able to see upcoming programs. 
A- absolutely. And uh, register now for the classes which begin next week at the uh, Concord Community Music School at uh, 23 Wall Street in, in Concord. And uh, the best way to do that is... To go online, ccmusicschool.org. That's ccmusicschool.org. Or you can call uh, 603-228-1196. 603-228-1196. The Jonathan Cross, Rick Broussard, great to have you with us in Thank studio you, today talking about the art of puppetry. And it is still, still very much alive and thriving here in the capital city. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Ken. That'll do it for this edition of Kale and Company Live on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. Don't forget my friend uh, Slim will be by at uh, 10 o'clock this morning with the uh, Sports Machine right here. WKXLNHTalkRadio presented by Northeast Delta Dental.